Hey friends, and welcome again to Jen and Matt talk about the Bible. This is episode 19. We're so grateful that you've chosen to join us today uh, to delve into some more text with the lectionary. Uh, so this week we're going to be focusing on Philippians 2 verses 1 through 13, but this kind of falls into a little bit of a broader um, theme that we've kind of picked up on. Last week we talked about uh, Exodus where God provides the manna, and in our, in our episode we talked about how God reorients and forms God's people. So we kind of noticed as we were preparing that, hey, there's still this feel of getting reorientated and being formed. Uh, so that'll be our overarching theme. Um, Matt, will you give us a recap on our reading for today, please? Yeah. So Philippians 2, 1 to 13, uh, it kind of has two, maybe three parts. And um, so the first part is basically just um, Paul is writing to the Philippians, this uh, church in Philippi, and um, basically saying, I want you to be uh, have the same mind, have, be one with one another, be one in spirit, and um, talks about them as... Uh, in humility, regard others as better than yourselves, mm-hmm, he says. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't look to your own interests, but look to the interests of others. And then he says, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And then he goes, the second section then is to describe, uh, kind of give this summary of Jesus. And he actually quotes from uh, from a hymn. So it's like an ancient hymn or poem that was actually likely circulating in the early Christian community. So this is like one of the oldest bits of the New Testament is this little thing because Paul likely didn't write it. Mm -hmm. He's actually using what someone else or communities were using to talk about Jesus. And so this this hymn starts in verse 6 and talks about how Jesus, though he's in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. And then he empties himself. And the the Greek word is kenosis. um, And it's this mysterious word. We don't quite know what it means, but it often translated as emptying. Uh, And so that's sort of where he goes. So he says, have the same mind as as Christ Jesus, who emptied himself. Uh, and then he goes on from there. And then at the end of that, there's a, there's a bit of a conclusion about, um, and so, therefore, we should behave in this way. So that's kind of the three sections. Awesome. Yeah. And you mentioned, um, as verse 6 starts, though he was in the form of God, and of course, with us talking about formation, I think that might be a really important yeah. thing for us to, to focus on or, or, um, or discuss. Um, yeah, I think as well, like, I, I looked up the word to find out, like, what is that, what is the Greek word? Mm. And it really is just form. <laughs> so sometimes that happens. Because um, I was kind of wanting it to be potentially image of God as well. But I, and I still think that sort of works to think of, um, we're used to that, like, if you go back to the original Genesis story, human beings are created in the image of God. Yeah. Um, this here, it might be talking about, like, Jesus really is God. But another way of thinking about that is if, if all human beings are image, uh, images of God, yeah. Jesus perfects that, right? Like mm-hmm. Jesus in being God is the perfect image of God. Um, and so even though he is perfected in that imaging of God, or even though he is equal with God, 
he um, did not exploit that uh, is the way that NRSV says it. And I believe in some translations it talks about it. Um, he didn't grasp after it. He didn't okay. hold on to it, but emptied himself. And then it talks about taking the form of a slave uh, and being born in human likeness, being found in human form. So you've got like in the form of God. Now he's found in human form and he humbled himself, became obedient, even to the point of death on a cross. Um, so I like this idea of Jesus as image of God and then us as well as images, images of God, like made in the image of God. But then Jesus kind of lives this out in a perfect way. Right. So, and then Paul obviously uses Jesus as the example of how do we, how do we then live into that? Um, so how do we be formed by Jesus living out being the perfect image of God? Mm. That would be, I think, an important question. Absolutely. Uh, but I, and I think there's something to, um, about like, uh, this idea that Jesus does not grasp onto the power and like the exaltation that he has. Like if he really is equivalent with God, Jesus is God, but he actually doesn't grab onto that. And I kind of feel like human beings, we do that a lot. Like we hold on to our power. We don't let it go. Mm -hmm. You think of like big institutions, even the church or mm -hmm. government or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. It's sort of, cons or businesses or whatever. We consolidate power often at the top and that is held onto. It's not let go. Right. It's not sort of, uh, Jesus like divests himself of power in a way and, um, and puts himself under the authority of the father as well. And, and, and will actually walk this path of suffering and death. Um, and that's the life to which we're called as Christians and yet we see lots of even church organizations that don't actually behave that way, right? right. Um, so I think it's an important text because of that, this idea that if, if we're really going to live out what it means to be made in the image of God, it mm. actually isn't claiming, oh, we're so great because we're made in the image of God. It's actually following the pattern of Jesus and saying, no, 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 part of being in God's image is actually to let go of the power that comes with that. That's really awesome. And like, I would just want to talk about, you mentioned under the authority of, and talking about like church and other organizations that hold on to this power. And I think of like our own gathering of, you know, the people of God as Prairie. And something that I know, like we've talked a lot about and we're working towards is like more of a team ministry yeah, approach yeah. and figuring all of that stuff out. And I think that's really cool. And I, I, I almost want to go back to, so then how do we do that? What does that look like? And I think that verse two, or sorry, at the beginning of chapter two in verse one and two, three and four, he's, um, Paul is writing and having this one mind, um, one spirit together, um, and actually like we were discussing earlier about uh, verse one, the compassion and sympathy. Um, some translations, what was it? The King James, the bowels and mercy. Yeah. Like the, the word compassion is actually literally the word in Greek is, is the word for intestines. <laughs> and it just means like in the, in the guts, like, so that gets translated as, as compassion. Yeah. Or as sympathy. It's one of those words anyway. 
But there was um, almost like this this inwardly moved, like we're affected yeah, yeah. by encountering other people. There's this inward moving toward people. Um, and I think that that's part of this emptying ourselves as well. Um, yeah. I just, I don't know, I'm making a couple connections there. Uh, so there's yeah, that. I, I think so. I think that's like... Um, There's, there's a call to unity at the mm. beginning of this, mm -hmm. but there's also, like, if you're encouraged, if you have a love, if you are sharing in the spirit, if you are moved inwardly and have compassion toward others, mm -hmm. then be of one accord, be of one mind. How, and that be in full spirit. accord was actually, um, it, it's actually more like have your spirits or your souls connected. Like yeah. that's sort of what that's saying. Um, don't do things out of selfish ambition or conceit, right? Like right. that's that sort of like power. Yep. Don't do that, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you not look to your own interests again, but to the interests of others. So what are we doing as Christians? Is it like we'll do everything to defend the the truth of the scriptures. I, I see lots of Christians doing that, that it's like, well, we'll do that to the ends of the earth, but we're doing that also trampling on people. Yep. Um, and, and I think this is saying, I mean, yes, like let's defend the truth of the scriptures, but this is saying that our orientation is actually toward the other and toward love. Mm -hmm. And that is, we, we need to be of the same mind around that. And our model for that is Jesus. And everything that he brings up about Jesus is not about like coming to say, I'm here to reveal, I'm here to reveal to you this is how God is and you got to get in line. Oh. Everything Jesus does is actually about um, humbling himself and even being obedient to his mission and his calling, obedient to God, even to the point of death. Uh, and then there's some really cool stuff that happens sort of when that takes place mm -hmm. for Jesus that we have real trouble with because I think, I feel like we're always wanting to, like, we can get trapped even in the idea of like, we, let's work for justice. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we, we like that, we like that idea, but then we, t we very easily then start to gain power in that. And we, we again don't lay things down and say, okay, well, who are, like, are we actually, who are the people around us? What are the relationships around us and how are we serving? Um, and Jesus, what he ended up doing, he did it to such a level that he actually was crushed under it. Like he, and we don't want, I, I don't want that. No. Um, but then what happens in the hymn is it tells us that uh, it's, it's kind of all about Jesus. And then all of a sudden, when Jesus dies, he's, he's in the grave. And then it says, God, therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So suddenly Jesus has been the primary actor of laying all this down. Now God becomes the primary actor in raising Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I find that really helpful because instead of it being like Jesus is on the cross, kind of going, well, I know this is kind of only temporary. Like, that's actually not what's going on. Yeah. Like Jesus dies and he's in the grave. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly there is God through the power of the resurrection brings him to life and, is vin and he's vindicated. And I think we need that in our lives where... The true resurrection. 
where it's actually not us. Mm -hmm. Like if any power is going to happen, it's actually the power of the resurrection. It's the power of God at work in us to, to bring about something new as opposed to like, we will never fully let go. Um, we're probably never going to fully let go. Uh, like Jesus did. Yeah. Uh, and then really fully trust that God is going to bring about the new thing. That's, mm. that's actually hard work to do, but that's what Paul raises up as, as what, what our minds are supposed to be set on that. Yeah. Hmm. There's a lot there. <laughs> there is a lot there. <sighs> so can I just finish the last? Yeah, by all means. So that's kind of the hymn. And then the third part is the, the big therefore in verse 12. Right. Um, which might be more kind of what you're looking for as well. So this is where he says, therefore, uh, just as you've always obeyed me, like followed my instructions, Paul is saying, uh, not only my presence, now much more my absence, because he's writing them a letter, he's not actually there with them. And he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, what do you think about that? Like about this idea of work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? Like, what does that make you think of? Well, a couple of different things. It makes me think about the, that like clearly there's uh, action that we have to take and we have to actually participate in this. Um, but I think with fear and like when we have fear and trembling about anything and we're stepping forward into something, um, there's a little bit of a timidness in how we move. And, and I think like it brings a different level of mindfulness, um, as we navigate whatever we're navigating. Um, but I, I really love the next bit of this at verse 13, which is actually the continuation of the sentence. Sure. Um, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Um, so even though like it's Paul saying like, okay, work out your own salvation, but also God is at work in you. So there is like this team thing happening and that's encouraging. Um, I also really loved that, uh, I've never thought about God in this sense before or any like enabling you. So I was like, Oh, God's an enabler. And often we think of like somebody who's enabling somebody that's like an, it has a negative kind of stance right. to it. Um, enabling addictions or struggles or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, but this is just like a complete different approach to it. Um, well, I mean, it's God, so God's mm -hmm. generally different than humans, which mm -hmm. is great. <laughs> <laughs> What, what do you think it means, like, I, I, I do like this as well, what you're saying about how uh, work out your own salvation, for it is God at work in you. Mm -hmm. Like, I like that idea that there's, these things are both, like, both of these things are going on. But I'm also, like, I'm often, like, I'm kind of confused by this text about, like, this part of it in particular. What does it actually mean, work out your own salvation? Like, that's not we can worry about the fear and trembling. Yeah. But what does that actually mean? Like, I don't know. Do you know what that means? I don't. Um, <laughs> You're going to be preaching that day, yeah. so. You can figure it <laughs> figure out. out. <laughs> Let me know. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know, because it. <sighs> like, I kind of feel like, I know one of the, one of the notes that I looked at earlier mm -hmm. was saying something about, um. The, the working out is actually more like, 
follow something through to its logical end, mm. um, or fo- like, and like maybe so there's something there about salvation? that. Like, or maybe it's like stick, like work out. Like I'm thinking of like work, like press on. Yeah, press on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> press on. Work. Like I'm thinking about like stick with it. Yeah, and like keep going until the end. Like not just mm. oh try hard, but yeah, but work out like that sense of like follow it through all the way to the end like Mm. do that and fear and trembling I don't think is for me that's not about like oh because we should be scared of God if we don't if we don't follow it through to the end that's going to be bad for us Mm. I don't think that's what it's saying Mm -hmm. I think it's sort of like if you realize what Jesus is doing in this in this hymn that we have or this poem that we have it's it's like awe yeah but also it's like whoa like it is a bit like overwhelmingly terrifying to think of it's power oh are we like we actually do have great power Mm -hmm. and we're being asked to lay it down and where that led for jesus was the cross Mm -hmm. and he invites his disciples like if you want to be my disciple pick up your cross and follow me like that's no greater love than to okay your life for a friend like that's but and then Paul encourages to say, keep going yeah. on that track around that salvation, um, and in the way that Jesus did, with fear and trembling, and maybe it's an acknowledgement, like yeah, that's like that's scary. Well, actually, like I was thinking earlier about how Jesus, like he actually, what, like he wasn't hanging on the cross, thinking, yeah, this is just temporary. Like he actually emptied himself because he prayed yeah, yeah. the night before, right? Like yeah. take this cup, and he was. Was he crying blood or something? Like he, I don't know. He was sweating. Sweating. With, and his sweat was like drops of blood. There, there, that's it, what There's popular yeah. versions of that, that he sweat blood. Yeah. But it doesn't say that. Not exactly that, but so. <laughs> <laughs> he was under duress. Thick sweat. Thick sweat, yeah. So he was feeling it. Like he had fear yeah, and yeah. trembling and working out his own salvation. He was going right. to see it through. So it, I don't know, it's a, it's a tall order. And thank God that this isn't the end of the statement, for God is at work in you, enabling you to both will and to work for God's good pleasure. Yeah. I mean, like, then that's kind of weird. Well, it, the cross is God's good pleasure. I mean, I guess so, because it's redemptive, but it also feels weird. Is it, or is that talking about the resurrection? Hmm. The resurrection is good pleasure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that makes way more sense. Or is it like, hey, you're working and you're willing to lay down your life for the gospel, for the mission, Mm. for justice, for Christ. Right. And God is well pleased with that. And he sees what his people are doing when they are of one accord and of one mind. And Mm -hmm. whether that has pulled them down, Mm -hmm. he he lifts them up. I like like that. Like, I think he's pleased by... like is. Is God pleased by Jesus going and um, touching the the leper? Yeah. Yeah. Now, at the same time, I wouldn't want to say that... I think God is pleased by things that we do, but I also think God is pleased with us also without that. Right. And there's other places in the Bible that talk about that. That's true. So, like, in Jesus' baptism, Jesus hasn't actually done anything yet, (laughs) and God says, with you, I am well pleased. Right. And then he starts his ministry. So I actually think God's good pleasure is actually there before we do anything. Hmm. 
And so we're reorienting ourselves to yeah. that and being formed by that. And an easy way for us to think about that, mm-hmm. I think, is if you have kids, like, yeah. it's actually a really easy entry point for that. Or it can work with anybody that you have really strong feelings of love for. Where I think about, like, okay, my daughter was born. Um, I can still remember, like, the night she was born. And I loved her. I was pleased with her. And I'm still <laughs> pleased with her. Right. I, she, she doesn't have to do anything. But also when she does something that is like, oh, that's so great. I, it's not like I'm, I, I'm, I love her more or I'm pleased with her more. Right. Right. But there's something else. Like there's something extra. I don't know how mm-hmm. to explain that. Mm-hmm. But I think people know what I'm talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's. Definitely. And I think that's how it is with God. God is pleased with us because we're his children. Mm-hmm. But then we do things that are pleasing to God where God's like, yeah, that's my kid. You know, like that's awesome. That's so great. They get it. They're of one accord. So, and I want to, I just want to like drive that point home. So the lectionary text stops here. Yes. But following this, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Paul reiterates, so do all things without murmuring and arguing so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. Um, so it's just to reiterate, you know, having that one mind, don't, don't squabble and like waste energy on that. Like get, come together people. Okay, cool. Let's do that. That sounds great. Let's no murmuring. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great one.